Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. This episode of Silent Giants is brought to you by Ali. Ali, powered by Verizon locations, are developed by Verizon, the world's leading technology company. In collaboration with Ali, a membership-only community workspace for creators, Each location is a community curated powered by the emerging technologies and thought leadership of Verizon. With Ali, Verizon is bridging the gap between startup and corporation by helping the community workspace build next-level ecosystems for entrepreneurs. And now, on to my interview with George Lois. Tommy says, uh, I can't do that. What what do you mean I can't do that? George, I, I, I can't. I mean, I... I'll look, I'll look like a, a fool. So I'm saying, Tommy, Tommy, you, you only got one chance to be famous. This is it. Yeah, yeah, check it out. I'm your host, Corey Cambridge. Uh, yeah. Everybody tuning in, you invited, you invited. No matter what mood you in, get excited, get excited. Everybody love the music, let me tell you how they do it. Whether writer or an agent, let me tell you how they made it. You are now talking to a silent giant. Wanna walk in their shoes, silent giants. Wanna study they moves, silent giants. Wanna know what they do, silent giants. Silent giants, y'all. <laughs> Welcome to the Silent Giants Podcast, a podcast that highlights the superstars behind the scenes of popular culture. I'm your host, Corey Cambridge. To keep up with the latest on the show, be sure to follow us on Instagram at, at Silent Giants Podcast. To keep up with my life, music, and more, be sure to follow me as well at, at Corey Cambridge. Our special guest this episode is the 87-year-old legendary American art director, designer, and author, George Lois. George is one of the greatest advertising minds of the 20th century, serving as Esquire Magazine's art director throughout the 1960s and creating over 60 covers for the magazine. One of his famous covers of Esquire that you may know is his depiction of Muhammad Ali at St. Sebastian. He also launched MTV with his iconic I Want My MTV campaign and created the advertising strategy that made Tommy Hilfiger a fashion household name. He even created the popular phrase, if you got it, flaunt it. George is also the author of Damn Good Advice for People with Talent, which is an amazing book that I highly recommend for people working in creative industries. In this interview, I chat with George in his Manhattan apartment. He shares amazing stories about his upbringing in New York City, his college years at Pratt. He tells me the stories behind his iconic work for Tommy and MTV, how he met Muhammad Ali, and so much more. George's life and work is absolutely remarkable. So, without further ado, let me introduce you to the legendary art director, designer, author, my friend, the silent giant, George Lois. Okay, so what's going on, George? Uh, I'm I'm eighty motherfucking seven. <laughs> hey, I was born in eighty seven. Right, I'm eighty seven. I'm eighty seven. I'm eighty seven, and um, 
and we're, st we're still working. We, uh, you know, I, I had my own ad agency at, uh, when I was uh, 28. Yeah. You know, and it was a big, big fucking deal because um, it's funny to, there's something that's, that's it's something called the creative evolution in advertising that was very famous in the 19, late 50s and 60s, right? Okay. And, um, and it wasn't a really a creative evolution until I started, there was, there was one important ad agency, her name was Doyle Dane Birnbach. That's where. You know, I, I was reading up on you, and uh, I saw that you were a ball player. I, I played more fucking basketball than any man that ever lived. Who was your favorite player growing up? The what? Who was your favorite player growing up? I mean, my my best friends were uh, Bill Bradley and Dave DeBuscher. Oh. Uh, Those guys. You know. <laughs> yeah. my, my best my best friends um, uh, in baseball were fucking Mickey Mantle. <laughs> and, I'm not, and I'm not shitting you. The New York City legends. Yeah, Mickey fucking Mantle, you know. And uh, and, uh, and the other guy that was that was a big, important guy, who was a great friend of mine was uh, Joe Namath. Another, yeah. you know, local legend. Yeah. Local and, guy up And, the of street. course, fucking Muhammad motherfucking Ali. <laughs> you, you know what I mean? I mean, so when it comes to sports, I've been around it all the time. I've, I've uh, photographed it. I've done commercials with it. I was, I. But what, what position did you play? Huh? What position did you play? Uh, well, I, I, I was a guard. Uh, because I played with some brawny motherfucking guys, you know. <laughs> so I was a guard. But um, did you did you get the? Uh, I read up that you had the opportunity to go to Syracuse uh, to play basketball. Is this true? Oh, oh yeah, no, I, I I played more fucking basketball than any man that ever lived. This this was really important because when I first met my wife. It was the first day of, of, um, of uh, at Pratt Institute. Um, it was a art school, basically. And uh, I had, I was offered a, a half scholarship for basketball and a half scholarship uh, for art, which was kind of crazy. <laughs> and I probably should have taken it. And my, and my girlfriend I met that, who I met that the first day at, at Pratt, um, she was offered a scholarship because she, um, um, she was actually a, a she worked as a secretary for the head of the school, and they were given a a scholarship for it. You know, like it was unbelievable. Yeah. So 
she didn't take it and I didn't take it, you know, and so we were like we canceled each other out, you know what I mean? And um and uh what what drove your decision to to not go to Syracuse and go to Pratt? Um because being being a ball player, it, like no, they fun. they were no there were no uh, d- uh, d- design courses. It was just an art. It was just art, which is okay. But I'm trying to make a living as an art as an art director because my father, because I'm a Greek, and my father expected me to take over his store. What was the store? He was a florist. Okay. Uh, I was going to a great high school. Great, great high school. I was so lucky. What high school did you go to? Huh? What high school did you go to? High School of Music and Art. Uh, where, where is that? Here in New York City? Yeah. Where, where about? Uh, 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 very near City College, like 135th Street. Okay. And um, I really had to make a living. Um, and I was lucky because... Because um, what, what drove that decision to... Uh, did you know that you weren't going to make it in the NBA? Because obviously you had some Yeah, some, I mean, no. The important, thing, the important thing is I had to get... You know, I'm not, you know... I, 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 I wasn't that sure of myself in, in sports. But you were confident with art. But I needed, but the important thing was I needed a, a job because my father was a florist and he expected me. He was waiting for me to, he was shocked that, he was shocked when he found out that I was going to school. In fact, the first day of school, um, I was supposed to uh, go to a flower market with them. It, it's a, that's where you buy your flowers, you know. And uh, he, uh, and my father comes, comes up to me, you know, uh, in my bedroom. And he says, uh, George, what, what, what's wrong? I mean, uh, it, it's, it's it's Monday. It's flower market, and I said, uh, "Pop, I I'm starting high. I'm starting college today." He said, "You're starting college? <laughs> what kind of college?" I said, it's an "Art college." An art college. Uh, he saw me drawing all the time, but he didn't really take me seriously. I said, yeah. And he said, uh, okay. Oh, no. Then he said, did it cost any money? <laughs> I said, yeah. And $200 or something like that. I said, where'd you get the money? And I said, uh, it was my, it was chip money. Tip money, yeah. Dime, and back then, if you got a, a dime, you were doing good. I mean, that was a lot of money. Oh, those were the days back then. 
So uh, he said, okay, Yorgo, when he spoke in Greek, okay, Yorgo. Um, and he kind of walked the, away, you know, one thirty, 1.30, 2.30, 2.30 in the morning. Three o'clock, I think. Anyway, and he walked away kind of up in the Bronx and he kind of staggered and he realized that I wasn't going to be a florist. <laughs> was, he, was he happy about it? No, he was devastated. He thought he was, what a Greek boy is going to do is he's going to take care of uh, his father, start something, and uh, you, uh, and you, that's what you are. Uh, I read your book, uh, the amazing book. Yeah, and uh, damn good advice. Yeah, and um, rule one seventeen, you say uh, you'll never be the creative person you aspire to be if you don't know where it all came from. Uh, where did your creativity come from? Sure. Well, where it comes from is uh, you have to understand. You have to understand the culture. Um, and you have to understand all culture, you know, to be a designer. Um, so, uh, but in any case, this whole thing with the with being Greek. The other problem I had, and by the way, that first day of, and that first day of school, I'm talking about yeah. that first day there, and there I was. Uh, is when I saw my wife, my my girlfriend, for the first time, and uh, and I I saw her and I said, "Holy shit, <laughs> that's my woman!" And and she was attending Pratt as well. Yeah, oh, yeah, no. What was amazing is I had a scholarship, and she had a scholarship to the same fucking school. And she didn't go to school and I didn't go to school. In other words, it was like, the, it was like fate. <laughs> I mean, it was like shit happened, you know? So. Because um, what was your major? Well, the major, my major was going to be art. Art. And our major was going to be art. Did you, did you, uh, I, it's funny, I interviewed a woman by the name of Lucia Disrespinus. Who? Lucia Disrespinus. She attended Pratt as well in like 1951. Uh, yeah. She went for industrial design. Oh, oh, oh really? Huh? Yeah. It was I don't know if you guys ran in the same circles. Yeah. Do you know a guy named Tom Rock? Who? Tom Rock. Not really. He was like the first black guy, one of the first black people to graduate from Pratt. But it was around the same time period, so I don't know if the time overlapped. The funniest fucking thing. I uh, I had to give a talk. I promised that I would give a talk. Oh, oh no! I was go I was getting a an award from the uh, black alumni of Pratt, mm. right? So here's what happened. I said, uh, I had uh, a situation once when I was, uh, 
a young man. This was when I uh, had, had come, I had come home from Korea. I had come home from Korea and I, and I told them a story and they're listening. And I said, uh, when I was in the army, I, uh, there was, roll, there was a, a roll call. And I, uh, and I said, uh, uh, and the, uh, the roll call was uh, you know, the Jackson, you know, right here, you know, Southern schmucks, you know, uh, Johnson, right here, right here. Uh, and then Lois, and I said, uh, um, yo. <laughs> and a captain comes up to me. And he said, uh, what's with the yo, soldier? And I said, uh, you know, southern boys all say right here. The, uh, but I'm from New York, so I say yo. And he says, and the captain said, Oh, another New York Jew fag nigger lover. Right, so I said this, and I said this to them. That's everything. <laughs> and I said it to, the, to, to everybody. It was like, and I had a whole bunch of, but, of my buddies were there. But so anyway, so I said, so he comes up to me afterward. It was a major in the Jimco South, Augusta, Georgia. That's what it was, 1950. Um, and um, he said, oh, another New York true fag, Nikolava, right? So I said, and he came right up to me here. And I said, go fuck yourself, sir. And I, I got a... 14-week company punishment, and I uh, went to Korea. Because th that's something about you that I have noticed throughout your work um, in advertising, and as you as a human being from interviews that I've seen, is that uh, you, are a re you are a rebellious with a purpose. Do you think that's true? Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, there's some people that are rebellious to just be it rebellious. Goes out all the time. I mean, I, 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 it goes on all the time. I, when I was in the Army, when I was in Korea, I, uh, I was a PFC, you know, Private E1 and a Private E2. And then one day I was a corporal. My wife would get a letter, corporal, and then a week later she'd get a letter. I was a PFC again. <laughs> You'd be demoted. Oh yeah. No, I, <laughs> uh, I, 
had I was a staff sergeant once. Maybe for two, only for about two weeks. Maybe she gets a letter, PFC again. <laughs> <laughs> and it's a time when your money was important. You know, you you didn't have any money. You, you, you know, you didn't have any money. You, you, but uh, fuck you. <laughs> you know what I mean? Fuck. Where does that re that rebellious spirit come from? Because uh, I also like to think. When I see your art, I think what makes you very special as a creative is, is that your art is a true depiction of who you are as a person, is a depiction of your life. Yeah, sure. Um, so whether it's MTV, whether it's Tommy, you channeled George Lois. Yeah, whether it's Ruben Carter. Yeah. Oof. Let's talk about that. Hello. Um, all that is, trans is, uh, is a representation of who you are as a person. Where does sure. that rebellious spirit come from? I don't know. I mean, uh, in a crazy way... In a crazy way, uh, it uh, even though I'm Greek, uh, I I grew up in a uh, Irish, a racist Irish neighborhood, which is redundant. <laughs> what what neighborhood did you grow up in? Uh, in the Bronx, you know, West Bronx. Okay. Yeah. And in a crazy way, uh, racism was the most terrible thing in the world, you know. I ain't going to put up with that shit. In fact, one of the proudest things I always felt about my, my father, my father was a Greek immigrant. He grew up in, uh, he came to America when he was uh, 13. And uh, he was doing well. He was making a living. It was a time of uh, it was a time of uh, the depression. Yeah. And um, and I worked uh, uh, when I wasn't playing ball. I worked uh, uh, every day of my life in the in the store. I mean. I, uh, doing all kinds of stuff, but basically, uh, uh, I, 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 I delivered flowers. And what what did that teach you? Well, even even before that, my father was a Greek immigrant, right? Yeah. He had like a. Two years of school in 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 in, the, in Greece, and he hires a young black a black kid, and a priest says the na the the uh, the uh, The priest says, uh, you got to get rid of the N-word. And 
my father said, no way. No way. He's a good young kid, works hard. No. And uh, and he went and he, and he wouldn't fire him. You know, I mean, I can't. But he literally wouldn't fire him. It was like, and I remember my sisters. Oh, and we oh. We used to make like uh, five dollars a, a week from the church on Sundays. And uh, and the, and the priest came up. He came up and he said, uh, "Mr. Lois." Hold up! What was that? Boring, no flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over seventy percent of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com/achieve today. Catholic priest, uh, if you don't uh, get rid of the uh, black person, uh, you know we can't work together again. And it was an important account. And my father said, "No, right." And my my sister said. Two sisters. He said, "That's a ter- Papa was wrong to do that." I said, "No, it's the greatest thing in the world, the most important thing. He's fan- fantastic, you know." My sisters were so upset because we lost the account. Know, the account, you know. So I, I, I said, "My God, here's this." Here's this young peasant kid understanding racism. <clears throat> it's fantastic, it's unbelievable. And that was one of the things that really, I'll never forget that. I'll never forget that. Because um, that's something that probably has, you've applied in your own professional life, you know, or in your life in general. Yeah, well, I. It was, uh, you know, I did a lot of the uh, the Reuben Carter thing was, of course, important. You know, was a big deal. You know, um, because I, yeah, I think that's what what makes your art um, and your spin on advertising so amazing. That it, it stands for something. It's bigger than just oh yeah, 
it, do you feel with with the some of the work that you've done, um, you know, whether it's with MTV or launching Tommy Hilfiger, yeah. um, you've really added a rock star approach to yeah. Well, I I I, I always know, understood how to how to uh, do commercials with with, with athletes. Um, you, you have you, you kind of have an art for controversy. Yeah, um, there's there's art and controversy. Yeah, sure. But I um, I really became very well known for the commercials I did with athletes, uh, and and athletes love doing commercials for me because I always it, it was never somebody saying, "Well, I drink this kind of coffee because I got me bullshit." It, it was always uh, MTV was a uh, was a dog. I mean, they it was dead in the water, dead. I had done a commercial when I was a, when I was young, and I called it "I, I Want My Mapo." I want my Mapo. And MTV was like literally dead. When I say dead, they were dead. They, they, they were operating for a year without any, uh, w- without one cable operator. They were talking to nobody. I said to them, uh, do you remember that commercial of uh, I Want My Maple? And, and what it was is uh, Mickey Mantle. I want my maple. Johnny Unitas. I want my maple. Oscar Robertson. I want my maple. Ray Nitschke. I want my maple. Will Chamberlain. I want my maple. Maple, the delectable oatmeal that heroes cry for. It comes in flavors, and now it's making the bowl. Don Meredith. I, I want my maple. I want it. Six times, seven times in the in, seven times in the uh, in the commercial, uh, you know, I um, I I said uh, uh, I want my maple, you know, and I took it, you know, and then it was uh, uh, Will Chamberlain, and then it was uh, so I did. I, I used five or six. Uh, athletes and they fucking loved it because I mean, Mickey Mickey called me up one, one day he had, and I, he said uh, hey, he called me up George I Mickey I thought you were in uh, Detroit aren't you in Detroit for day game today he said I just wanted to tell you Everywhere I go, I want my maple. I want my maple. I want my maple. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> but everything I did with athletes, they fucking loved it because it was always they always were hot shit motherfuckers. You know what I mean? There was always some kind of a wild thing going on, and of course, my relationship with fucking Ali is. Uh, Pretty fucking wild, you know. You know, I always say, I tell this to all my friends, you are who you hang around. 
Um, and you seem to have always hung out with people that are very similar to you. And Ali was also a person who mastered rebellious mm-hmm. with a purpose. Yeah, Ali. How did you guys meet? Actually, when he was Cassius Clay, there was a sports writer by the name of uh, of uh, Dick Shap. Oh, Dick Shap. Yeah, He's legendary. Yeah. He, he died when he was young. Yeah. Died when he was fifty. Yeah, and he was a great man. I, my best buddy, and um, Shap was following his uh, the kid's career when he was thir- thirteen. Believe it or not, and he uh, he said, "Hey, hey, George, uh, this is great fucking kid." He's, 13 years old. Uh, and uh, he's, he's, uh, he's coming down. Oh, and he's, he's, he's coming down. He's going to be in the Olympics. I want you to meet him. Okay. And, uh, I, somehow I met him by doing something I forgot, and he said, uh, "He said, you know, I'm the, I'm the greatest that that ever lived. You know, I've had a what he got to go, but he had that that poor shit then. You know, what he go, 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 and um, and then he said, uh, I'm going to meet, uh, I'm going to go see Sugar Ray Robinson." You know, because I love Sugar Ray Robinson, and he and he and he said, uh, "And I'm gonna, I'm gonna walk all the way to Harlem." He, there was a, he had a nightclub up there, so he's he's walking, and I and we said, well, "Let's we'll take it." Chap said, "We'll take it." What he goes, "No, no." no. And then anyway, he, and he and he walked and he walked and he walked and he walked, and uh, and what was amazing was um, he was f- furious because Sugar never saw him. He, he was furious. Oh, why didn't he see him? You don't know. No, no, no. Well, Sugar, you know, he was a big time guy himself. Big time motherfucker, <laughs> you know. And uh, and he was furious. I'm telling you, I I, I never saw anything like him. And because uh, how, how did you guys do the uh, the famous Esquire shoot with the arrows? You gotta understand that Muhammad Ali. At that point, it was Muhammad Ali. Um, was up for trial. Uh, Supreme Court. The Supreme Court had given him five year sentence. Five year sentence. So what was what, what was happening with him actually is I call him one day. Uh, 
And I said, Muhammad, your ass is still grass. Uh, what I want to do is, it, I want to do a, a cover, Esquire cover. You got to come to New York. You got to come to New York. You know, bring your pretty, bring your pretty white shoes. You know, he had kangaroo white white shoes. You know, you know white uh, uh, boxing shoes. Um, and I want to take a picture of you as a as a as a martyr. And I said, Muhammad, okay, here's the way I want you to here's the way I want you to pose. Because I, I got a, a, a painting from uh, St. Sebastian. And I said, I want you to, and I show him a postcard. And I said, I want you to pose just like this, you know, where your, your legs are strong, but your, your head's in agony. And I want you to, and he, and he looks at it. The, the the postcard, and he says, "Hey George, this cat's a Christian." Oh, interesting point. And I said, "No shit, Saint motherfucking Sebastian." He said, "I can't do that. I can't do that." And he's serious about it. You know, it's a it's. He's, he doesn't want to, he can't be, a, he can't look, act like a Christian. Right, right. So I said, George, I can't. I said, can you, can you call uh, uh, Elijah Muhammad, who was the. Oh, the, yeah, the head of the. Yeah. He said, Yeah. So he gets him on the phone, and, and then he says, uh, "He want George. He wants to talk to you, Elijah Muhammad." Yeah, the Honorable Elijah Muhammad. Yeah, I, I said, "Okay." Oh, I get on the phone with him, and I said. Uh, I, I just want to tell you that the uh, that uh, this this could be very important for cover blah 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 blah, and I just kind of bullshitted, and he said, "Tell Muhammad he has my permission. He he has my permission." So what I what I did is I lined them up, and what was great about it about it was he's saying um, he's posing right the way I, and I said uh, hey George so what hey George I said what the fuck do you want what's wrong with you get the fuck out of here hey George so what he does is he we're looking at him sideways and he actually said hey George and he takes his hands away, and he and he and he says, and he starts pointing to people in 
the government that are trying to put him in jail. So he literally made a move here, 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 and here. You know, it was the, it was the greatest thing I've ever seen. And he said, you know, uh, Lyndon, Lyndon Johnson, General McNamara, and he names fucking six guys who were after his fucking ass, you know? And the place was in stitches. I mean, everybody was going crazy. I literally go crazy. It was like, it was like genius, if you know what I mean. It like, like a genius. I'd always say to him, uh, no, he'd say things like, uh, hey, George, I'm with them someplace. Pennsylvania, he had a, he gave me his speed bag, you know, anyway. Hey, George, I, um, I got the fastest left hand in history of boxing. Yeah, for lightweight, you know, welterweight, maybe, maybe middleweight. I got the fastest left hand in the history of fucking boxing. Any fucking, any weight. I said, bullshit. And he said, you want to see it? I said, okay. You want to see it again? (laughs) (laughs) That's the kind of, that's the kind of, that's the kind of humor the guy had. <laughs> I mean, that's funny shit, you know. Uh, where did you learn to evoke emotion in in people? I mean, to me, it's street shit. Ex- explain street shit. Yeah, it's it's the way <laughs> you know, it's the way you are. It's the way you are when you're in the streets. You know what I mean? It's like with the, the famous Tommy Hilfiger ad, the Hangman ad, that well, that's did, is that you, street shit as well? Like well, you got to understand it. He was a young kid. It's a little hard to, hard to understand, but he, uh, I literally, there was a guy, but there was a guy by the name of uh, an Indian from India, who actually. He actually worked for Tommy, who was just a kid. This Indian guy, very smart guy. He he understood um, branding, you know, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, big name branding. So he said, um, "Can you do a commercial?" I said, "Yeah," and I do the commercial where, which I'm sure you know. Tommy says, uh, I can't do that. So what, what do you mean I can't do that? George, I, I, I can't. I mean, I, I'll, look, I'll look like a, a fool. So I'm saying, Tommy, Tommy, you, you've only got one chance to be famous. This is it. I can't do it. Tommy, you, you, got, you have to do it. I can't do it. So he kept saying, I can't do it, I can't do it, I can't do it. And uh, I kind of, in fact, he said, to, he said I screamed at him. So the commercial, the ad, it basically said he was, 
who the, who the fuck is Tommy Hilfiger? <laughs> uh, and um, and that morning, you know, it was a, it was actually a poster. And the poster goes up that day. I made sure it was a poster that came from uh, the, from the, the New York Post. And I call up the Post, and I said, "Hey, do you guys uh, do you guys know?" Uh, the line became it became a story in the New York Post that said uh, that said um, who the who the hell is Tommy Hilfiger, and and he. Literally, a week later, was on a Johnny Carson show. I mean, literally. Where, where did the idea to come up with the the Hangman ad even come from? I must have seen a thing like that in, in something I saw, uh, you know, when I was a kid or something. You know, I, I, I must have. Uh, all I know is I was saying, I was saying, there's a fucking guy who's better, who's a sensational designer and made him famous, that's all. Wow. And he, you know, he became, he became a... He Huge. Became, no. Billionaire? Uh, I'd say so, for sure. Billionaire, I mean... It's funny that I... Um, I have a friend who's the archivist at Tommy Hilfiger now. And I went to the archive. That's pretty funny. And she's giving a tour. Shout out to my friend Rebecca Love, who's the archivist at Tommy. And she's giving a tour. And your your work is hanging up in the Tommy archive. And she walks by and she says, oh, this was done by uh, George Lois, this famous yeah. ad that yeah. blew up Tommy. How does that make you feel? Well, the uh, what's interesting about Tommy is uh, I've had... Uh, Three people say that they did. I want my MTV. I've had uh, I've had people all over the place tell me they they did something. Right? Yeah. Never with Tommy. He fucking every time he has a chance, he fucking tells everybody what the fuck what I did. Every time, it, it good kid, and uh, I mean, for instance, the uh, one of the uh, I don't know, they're, they're, they're people just all over the place say that they did they did what I did. But you you know what I say to that, George? Hmm? You know what I say to that? It's almost like if um, Jay Z, famous rapper, yeah, he says, uh, I'm paraphrasing here, but if if you made Hove. His his nickname is Hove. Yeah. If you made Hove, make another one. Oh yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Sure. So if everyone says they can come up with an idea, well, let me see your other ones. Oh, let me see your other ones. Oh. Let me see your other ones. Let me see your other ones. I have one more question for you. Yeah. That I ask every person on the show, because everyone in life, um, I've interviewed some amazing people who've achieved a lot of amazing, great things. You being one of them. Mm-hmm. Um. And I think people don't understand to achieve greatness, you have to make sacrifices. Um, what's, what things have you sacrificed uh, in your career to achieve greatness? No, I don't. I, I'm always on the attack. I don't think I've sacrificed anything. 
I'm very lucky because my wife is a designer and actually an artist. And uh, she never, she always understood when I couldn't get home. You know, I had shit to do. You know, most women would have just said, what do you do? What do you do? You know, never. So I never had, I never had that kind of problem. I can't think of it. George, it's such a pleasure. Thank you so much for being here on the show. And I appreciate everything you've done for popular culture. Take care, George. Yeah. Thank you all so much for tuning in to another episode of Silent Giants and to our special guest, George Lois. And before we get out of here, be sure to check out my other show, OPP, a show that highlights your favorite podcasters and the dope shows they created. I provide you the link to that in the description of this episode. This episode was mixed by Mark Bird. I'm your host, Corey Cambridge, signing off. Till next time. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm.